If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dynasty the King. King. This week is all about reunion tours. InSync is trying to copy Mike and I getting back together on the Amazon Prime Tour. I am live from San Francisco. I was just out doing the old job I always did. And let me tell you, boys, in person, CMC is even more of a unicorn than you guys could ever believe. I am joined, of course, by the value king, Mr. Davis Noemi, and a best friend and a, a shutdown corner in Texas high school football, Mr. Dylan Egloff, with a, an appetite for Debbie rankings as well. Gentlemen, I I cannot put into words how impressive the 49ers are in person. Like roster to roster, it, it, I don't think there's any comparison other than our Cowboys, but what a game it was. It was awesome to see Thursday night football back live. Davis, I want to go to you right away. You have had very very strong opinions about Brock Purdy and he looked efficient even without Brandon Ayuk tonight what were your thoughts on his performance right away I'll say it here I think Brock Purdy is probably the perfect QB2 to have in Dynasty unless you have a superstar if you want just a reliable QB2 and Brock I want you to hear it from me first I apologize Um, I feel like I've been doing a lot of like a lot of apologizing lately but Brock I want you to hear from me I'm sorry um Granted, I don't think you're a great quarterback, but I just think your team is so good. And I think you have so many weapons to throw the ball to. Stop that it. Literally, you are set up. You are set up to not fail. And although you throw the ball behind your receivers quite often, and although sometimes you just throw it up off your back foot and hope and pray that somebody catches it, thank God you have Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk. The list you know, continues to go on. But no, I, all seriousness – I, he is the perfect QB2 to have in Dynasty. I mean, you you cannot prove me wrong because I'm starting to see Kyle Shanahan, when he's looking at him on the sideline, they at the end of the game, Kyle was just looking at him and was just looking at him with just such joy. And I was just like, oh, 
he can he he can do no wrong in his eyes. So no, for me, perfect QB two in like dynasty to have. I think he's every single game he started, he's had two touchdowns minimum in in um in the like regular season. That's that's just a floor that you can't get with a lot of other QBs. Dylan, his situation's too good for him to fail, right? Absolutely. And if there's any definition of a Davis Noemi apology, that is it right there. It is such a backhanded <laughs> yeah. apology that comes with some sort of insult. I think my wife would agree. He said, I apologize, but, and there's always the but, <laughs> but you're terrible at quarterback. No, I think you're, you're absolutely right. I think he has probably one of the safest floors as a QB. No, you're right. The safest floor as a QB too. And you're, the talent that he's surrounded by, the fact that he has a great defense that's going to back him up. He's got a running game that supports him. I agree, man. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. I, however, I agree with you that he's not a great quarterback. He's really not. And I think Sam Darnold honestly could probably do the exact same thing, if I'm being honest. Wow. Josh, you raise your eyes. Are you disagreeing with me here? No, I completely disagree. I think, I think there is something to be said about playing mistake-free football. And what you see out of Brock Purdy is a willingness – to throw his ego down and throw the ball away the moment he knows he's about to get sacked. He does not force to make a play. He lets the offense do their thing. In the red zone, um, I believe it was the uh, third or fourth time they were down there, they ended up settling for a field goal. But I was just incredibly impressed with his ability to not just chuck it up and try to make a play when none was there. They called his number to try to force him to get another touchdown, and he had the moxie to just step away. And joining us live... Jumping right in, what, Mike, what? the reunion tour is continuing. Wow. We were going to bring you in for Below Deck. We're just now reacting to the Thursday night football game. Davis has just given the closest thing I've heard to an apology, <laughs> him give to Brock Purdy, because Brock Purdy looked absolutely oh. poised this evening. Also, my timing is great. Perfect. Oh Perfect. Your timing is great, but your audio is not. That's all I know. <laughs> Oh, is it bad? No, no, it's it's fine. No, it's perfect enough for you to put Davis in his place. So go on, Mike. Go ahead. We're gonna give you. Go ahead. Let him know about Brock Purdy. No, I'll I'll let the film speak for itself. I mean, you know, like, and then for me to really say, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I knew I was right from the beginning. (laughs) I just like like Davis is the one that needs to eat his words on Brock Purdy. It wasn't that long ago you were talking about him getting replaced by Trey Lance. Hold up a second. Hold up a second. You are late to the game. I just spent the last five minutes talking well, straight to Brock. I, I talked straight to Brock. I said, Brock, I, I wasn't no. Here okay. Know? All right. Well, he, he received as good of an apology as he's going to get from me, <laughs> in which I acknowledge. But what about my apology? You don't want it. No, you don't no, want no, it, no, Mike. No, no, you don't want no, it. No, no, no. No. It's going to be capped with an insult. Oh, it okay. absolutely will be, and we will get to that later <laughs> in Below Deck because my feelings are hurt. So I just want to essentially say that, put that out in the air, put that out in the world. I want the listeners and the viewers to know um, that, yeah, my feelings are hurt, and, but we will deal with that later. So this is so just just to be clear, this is David tonight, not Davis. Mm-mm. Oh, no, 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 yeah, nope, nope. This is Davis. This is just Davis with his ego a little hurt, um, his his pride a little hurt. And sometimes David might emerge, but I'm doing my best to keep him down. So it's fine. I think I think we're okay. getting two scoops of, of David and maybe some sprinkles of Davis, <laughs> if I'm being honest. L- listen, a player we can all agree is great is Christian McCaffrey. But see, once again, seeing it in person, seeing it live, this strikes me as a guy who's not just going to be good for the next two to three years. Dylan, I traded to him, you know, him to you last year. 
this was my 104 in our startup draft, even in a super flex league. And I am proud to say my talent evaluation, I feel so good about it because that dude is still a fantasy superstar. It doesn't look like he's missed a beat since talent evaluation. You're acting like it's an anomaly. (laughs) He is for running back to be this productive and this elite for three to four years. I'm just proud of it. Most running backs, how many running backs fell off from that era? David Johnson's gone. Todd Gurley's gone. Other elite running backs who were drafted around the same time. They're gone. CMC is here to stay. He said my talent evaluation and drafting. All right, bro. Good. You and everybody else in America. I'm about to log on. What was Christopher McCaffrey like? The, the eighth pick in a draft? Like, like did you did what, what? What did you evaluate exactly? You evaluated his longevity. I'm, I'm yes, confused. for running backs, he's a unicorn, and how long he's going to last? Because what I was going to say before I was rudely interrupted by the doubters was that I think CMC can do this for another three to four years in this offense. I th- I don't think that oh. the cliff is nearly as close as it is for him that it is for other running backs who seem to be falling left, right, and center throughout the league. Okay, that's a, that's a take. You, did you create the internet too while you had it? You want to go ahead and take credit for that? <laughs> Mike's on. Something I would say. Yeah, he came in here with hot. He came in here with no cares. So for me, I'm. I agree with you, Josh. I I'm thinking, and you know what I mean. I'm still young. You know, I've been playing dynasty and fantasy football for maybe ten years now. I feel like CMC might be the goat. He might be the GOAT fantasy football RB. And granted, I've been playing fantasy for 10 years, so I wasn't really around when you had, you know, like Marshall Fox of the world, LT, Priest Holmes. But for me, it's like... McCaffrey got a long way to go to be in that pantheon. I'll I'll say, look, like McCaffrey, and he's been a thousand, thousand guy. That's an elite club, thousand yards rushing, thousand yards receiving. I'm saying, you know, it was not that long ago where there were serious concerns about Christian McCaffrey's durability. Now the dude takes just about every snap. Even last year when he got to San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan would frustratingly insert Elijah Mitchell at times. Like, why are you playing Elijah Mitchell when you just traded for Christian McCaffrey? Now the other Elijah Mitchell barely sees the field. You know, Christian McCaffrey is not just durable, not just a workhorse, but he's an outlier in, to your point, Josh, in the modern NFL in, in terms of his ability to withstand uh, the, 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 the rigors of the running back position. And again, it was just, I think it might even been last year, because it actually was last year in Carolina going into the season, especially in redraft leagues, where there was concern about, do you take Christian McCaffrey early because of his injury history the last couple of years? You know, knock on wood, he doesn't suffer any more devastating injuries. But I, I, I turned to Richard Sherman tonight in the green room, and I said, he's – and, Davis, this is where I'll back you up. I said, he's better than I thought he would be coming out of Stanford. He's be, he's a better – I thought he would be more of a Reggie Bush type, more of a gadget type, much, much more of a receiving back. He is a bell cow between the tackles, power runner when he needs to be. And obviously, we know about the complete package that he is, you know, on a perimeter and in the receiving game. That doesn't make him the goat running back or fantasy running back, Davis. That's a little, that's some serious recency bias right there, brother. It is, but I, I mean, he's been, he's been pretty productive, I, and I understand the argument. And again, this is probably us young and speaking naive, right? Yes. Um, yes. I, I agree with it because that he's the best that I have seen and been a part of as a dynasty or a fantasy football player at all. And 
he was actually on my team this offseason until I was uh, coerced by Mr. Michael Smith himself to fall into the trap of Davis Noemi wow. and trade him away. Now That was a good trade at the time, but I really yeah. feel bad about it right now. <laughs> yes, I, so part of, part of why it, it – listen, I, and yes, I was coerced for you, but I was also compliant, and it was a good trade. At the time, it seemed like a good trade. It was Miles yeah. Sanders, a first. Uh, I got my first back, That's actually. Yes. Yeah, and Jaden Reed, and it was a it was a good trade on paper. However, part of and part of why I did that was because I mean Christian McCaffrey going on 20, 27, 28 years old, like I I was worried, and he has that injury history, and so I was like, man, like how long can he do it? But he is such an outlier where like he just doesn't slow down. Like even watching the game in the fourth quarter, he's running just as hard as he was in the first. It's like I, he just doesn't slow down, and so he's an anomaly in that sense. And I'm I'm it looks like a terrible trade right now. I am very. Davis, congratulations to you. You won that trade. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm very yeah. I you know it feels great having him in my lineup. It feels like the safest twenty points that you could probably have in in, in a fantasy football lineup. Like I, I'm I'm just I'm clocking. Okay, every single week I have Christian McCaffrey starting. I got twenty points. But Dylan, a trade that you recently did and a player that you know we love him because he's also you know he's on the inflection network so darren waller we got love for you but from a fantasy standpoint you just traded him away in the yacht club uh for Traylon burks and so i think you might be feeling feeling good about that because right now it's not looking great for having him in your lineup if you're only getting three catches for 20 something yards right yeah i need to have a, a little bit of a come to jesus moment real quick that top five or the, the top tight end one take that I had for Darren Waller is not looking so hot right now. Um, that offense not looking so hot right now. I was high on Daniel Jones. I was high on the offense. I came on here and touted how you should go and get Daniel Jones and how you should buy into Darren Waller. And like you said, we love you, Darren Waller. But if I'm being completely honest, and this is just me watching the game and my evaluation, something ain't right. Like he just does not look like he's fully out there 100%. I don't know if it's the hamstring or what it is. It doesn't look 100% right. They're taking him out for Daniel Bellinger. And so even seeing that the first couple of weeks and just given the position of where my team's at, yeah, I went and flipped Darren Waller, a 30 year old tight end who has hamstring lingering hamstring issues for a trail on Burks. And right now I feel absolutely great about that. I, I don't know if you guys saw anything different on the field. I just, I see something that's not right with him and I'm a little, I'm a little worried. I don't think tight end one is very attainable right now. I think what you have to look at with any tight end right now, because coming into this game, um, obviously we have to let week three play out. Darren Waller was actually leading the tight end position in receiving yardage, but it's that yardage is so low. It really doesn't matter for tight ends. It all, everything comes down to red zone opportunities and the giants have not consistently been in the red zone. And on top of that, Saquon Barkley and the zone read is the key to their entire offense. I don't think at this point in his career, Darren Waller can just get in, you know, get open every single play and have the stamina to be a receiving threat down the field at all times. Could Darren Waller at the tail end of the year, if the Giants offense starts clicking and getting in the red zone more, become elite and, and return to those numbers that we saw back you know, in his prime years with the Raiders? I still think so, because I think the Giants offense is still figuring themselves out. But I don't think it was a bad trade for you being where you were in the Yacht Club. You needed youth at receiver. It, he's one of those pieces you can sell as a positional advantage and get something that's more stable for your roster moving forward. Mike, obviously you're down on the field in person. What were your thoughts on Darren Waller, the Giants offense as a whole? Well, I mean, look, the timing of your trade could not have been better in terms of trading it before a Thursday night game on a short week 
coming off an emotional comeback against the Cardinals um, and on the road against one of the best defenses in the NFL with a makeshift offensive line. So, okay, which held up decent, you know, better than I think a lot of people thought it would. A very inexperienced, very, very young, uh, very patchwork line against that front four of San Francisco is a tall task for any offense. So I don't know that we can look at Darren Wall's performance tonight and say, especially in the first half, when he when he just wasn't involved. We heard more from Darren Waller in the Thursday night football pregame show than we did <laughs> from Darren Waller in the first half of the game to, until like the last two minutes. Um, but that offense is, was just a mess, and that team is just inconsistent right now. And if you look at two of their, their two losses, one was to Dallas and one was to San Francisco. They're still figuring out who they are um, in general right now. I wouldn't panic on Darren Waller because the funniest part about this trade to take it to the Yacht Club, the funniest part about it was you traded Darren Waller, I don't know, let's just say 3 o'clock this afternoon. In the first half, the Yacht, the new Darren Waller manager in the Yacht Club put him on a trade block. <laughs> I was just about to bring that up. <laughs> he was so frustrated. He put him on a trade block already. So like, for anybody out there listening that's got uh, Darren Waller, um, I, I don't know that I would move off of him right now because uh, he's still – his upside is still so great. Otherwise, you're chasing a, a touchdown. Uh, you're chasing something. Um, but if, if, they, if they click and he's the Darren Waller that he looked like he was going to be in, the, in training camp and that he's been in the past uh, and that he was predicted to be, it's only three games in, yeah. then you got a difference maker at that position. So you look yeah. good right now getting out from under him, Dylan, for what you want to be and what you got in return. But if you have Darren Waller, I wouldn't run to the trading block trying to, trying to move him at any cost right now. Yeah. We're going to take a real quick break, and when we come back, Mike's going to join us for All Aboard and Overboard Special Edition. We're going to be diving into running backs you need to be paying attention to, so stay tuned. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever 
you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All offseason, the question about what a running back is truly worth was raised in every sort of major media outlet partially because big names like Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and others were pieing for new contracts. We're going to be pining for new contracts. And the question and the debate found its way into fantasy football, especially for dynasty players. What is a running back truly worth? The position that constantly seems to get injured, that constantly seems to be missing from the primetime spotlight. Knee injury last week to Nick Chubb. Saquon not playing this Thursday. So we went ahead and decided to ask that same type of question for you, the listener. How do we as dynasty players value running backs? So Dylan, we have a special all aboard overboard. You've got the first statement of the day. How are we to address this brave new world where running back value is completely up in the air? Yeah, I mean, so all aboard overboard, how I'm going to kind of approach this and bear with me, I'm going to say it. And let me explain myself, right? So all aboard or overboard, I'm all aboard with Jerome Ford over Travis Etienne. Now that sounds like a bold take, and I'm not saying go and trade Jerome Ford for Travis Etienne. What I'm saying is, based off of the standalone value, you're going to have to pay up to get a Travis Etienne. You're not going to have to pay nearly as much. You're going to still have to pay. You're going to have to probably pay two seconds to go get a Jerome Ford. However, in the grand scheme of value, to me, that's more worth it. And like you talked about, the NFL itself is recognizing that running back, it's a brutal position. I mean, you're just getting the ball and just running straight into other 200 plus pound men, right? It's it's brutal. You see knee injuries and all these injuries piling up. And with the volatility of the position, why would you want to go and spend a first, multiple first, a first and a second or whatever capital you have to go spend on a high end running back? Well, you can go get the Zach Mosses, the Jerome Fords of the world, where to me, when I think about uh, Jerome Ford versus Travis Etienne. I'm thinking of efficiency and production versus just solely evaluating talent and the higher end name that you can get, right? So I pose this question to you guys. If you have to spend, if you're in a position where you're a contender, you just lost to Saquon Barkley. I'm hitting Davis's heartstrings right now. You just lost to Saquon Barkley. Let's say you don't have a Jerome <laughs> I didn't lose him. He's on IR. Or <laughs> you, he's lose, my, you lose to Saquon Barkley. With the value, are you willing to spend a first plus to go and get a Travis Etienne? Travis Etienne's on my team. Mike, you and I talked about a trade around Travis Etienne where you were willing to spend that first and a second, 24 first, 24 second to go and get him. It didn't end up going through, but you considered it, right? 
Strongly, yeah, strongly consistent. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, I, there's still a market out there, but to me, to be a savvy fantasy football player, you've got to win in the margins. And right now, the margins are in the Zach Mosses of the world, the Jerome Fords of the world, where you can go spend a second, maybe two seconds, and go get these guys as starters to plug in. So, for you guys, am I crazy or am, being all aboard on going to get a Jerome Ford if I'm in a pinch over trying to go buy up and spend up to get a Travis Etienne Tra- or uh, Davis? You're kind of in that situation. What do you think about that? Yeah, and I think what I'm hearing, having Jerome Ford on my team, and I'm sold. I, I will trade you Jerome Ford straight up for Travis Etienne. No, no, no. I will do it. I, I will be the hero for the league, and I will do that because oh, you're going to begin the more efficient back, right? So, no, no, no. I'm sold. Set it over, and then we can get a deal done on air. But I, I, I actually tend to disagree with you. Here's why. Because I think that you mentioned Zach Moss. You had mentioned um, Jerome Ford. Those guys are not um, prestigious talents. They're not highly touted backs. Yeah, they had good collegiate careers. Uh, Jerome Ford was good at Cincy. But at the same exact time, you want to buy into talent because talent's value is going to sustain. It's going to withstand um, you know, a potential injury. If you have Travis Etienne on your team this year, who's I, I believe he's 24 years old, and say, and I'm not, you know, I'm trying to knock on wood, he has a catastrophic injury or he's out for the rest of the season. He still is going to carry value going into next year. You can keep him on your team or you can trade him for value and you will still have a back that has first round draft capital. Whereas you have Jerome Ford and you have Zach Moss. And yeah, you might not have to pay it first. You're maybe paying two seconds. But in my opinion, you're going to be wasting those two seconds because that value is going to only have uh, a lasting of the rest of the season, and then those backs are not going to carry value. I, I I just don't see a reason why you're not buying into the talent because at the end of the day, the talent is going to carry into efficiency, into the opportunity. So I I'm not really on board with what you're saying. Quick question: So well, you have you have a Saquon Barkley on your team, right? Mm-hmm. What would it cost for someone to come and buy Saquon Barkley from you? A first. It would take a first. First. A single twenty-four yeah, first. Yeah. Okay, so that that's a difference. Yeah. And what would you sell Jerome Ford? Because you actually have him as well. A twenty-five first. <laughs> a twenty-five first. Okay, yeah. that's that's so you're saying a first. There's no way someone's paying that. No one. And so can, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. I, I probably if somebody put an offer in my inbox of two twenty-four seconds, um, mid to late twenty-four seconds, I would probably hit accept. I've been offered a second. I've been offered a second and two thirds from Mike. But if some nobody's put two seconds, and I think the reason why nobody's put two seconds in is because while it sounds nice to have Jerome Ford, who's probably going to be the RB1 on that team for the rest of the season, they don't really want to spend that capital because they know at the end of this year, they're either going to draft somebody else. Chubb might be back next year, but they're, most likely Jerome Ford's going to be obsolete, and those two seconds could be better utilized elsewhere. Here's... Here's the great news. For the first time in, I think, three weeks, Dylan and I are finally on a yacht together because I am completely on board with this take. But Dylan, we have different roles, man. I trust what you see on the field from a talent perspective, from an efficiency perspective. I'm a salesman. You sold it wrong. Jerome Ford is worth two seconds right now because Nick Chubb is already injured. You go buy a Jalen Warren right now. You go buy, I mean, what was, Jerome Ford would have been traded for a third or a fourth before last week. And then the injury happens and suddenly his value skyrockets. And what we're not talking about is the other players you can acquire who have a longer or not a longer, but a greater chance at longevity. If you can go get a first and take Michael Pittman Jr., pair him with a Jerome Ford. 
That is much stronger than a Travis Etienne on its own, in my opinion, because you get Jerome Ford for the rest of this year if you had been able to purchase him before Nick Chubb's injury. So guys like Jalen Warren, guys like Deuce Vaughn, who I have, it's like, hey, I, I traded, I think I traded Mike a second, but I got a third in return. If Pollard goes down and Deuce Vaughn starts getting 30 to 40% of the reps, and I had a wide receiver or a tight end who's who's got a longer career arc, plus those running backs, yeah, that's something I can get on board with. So Jerome Ford, greater sign Travis Etienne, depending on when you purchase them. I think the hard part is, and Dylan, I want to ask you, what we have to buy these backs before the injury happens. Are there any of these kind of like second or third string running backs? To me, the, the, the guy that comes off is, is Jalen Warren. We just saw the Monday night game. He looked electric catching the ball. I think he could actually overtake Najee Harris. Is there someone else that comes to mind that maybe you could go purchase for cheap right now that could take over and skyrocket in value? Yeah, I mean, it's that's the whole theory on handcuffs, right? It, it's, it's, is it, are you really going to go I've got somebody. on a handcuff? Go ahead. I've got somebody who is near and dear to my heart, and I just traded him away last week in a Chris Olave trade. You can go get Kendra Miller who is now going to have the backfield to himself this upcoming week because you have Jamal Williams, who is hurt. So it's going to be him and Tony Jones Jr. And I'm expecting Kendra to go off. They're playing against Green Bay, who has a terrible run defense. So I'm – what? what? Oh, it seems like Mike's – You can't plug and play Kendra. Mike, what, wait, what are you shaking your head Wait a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up a second. Hold up a second. Hold up a second. Can I at least finish my argument? Or, Mike, you just seem so sickened by what I'm saying. Well, I just I don't understand. I disagree. I'm not sickened. You want to go okay. ahead and finish? I'm not sickened. Okay. No, it just seems as though you go pay a second-round pick to go get a Kendra Miller who is going to have the backfield at his, at his luxury this year or, you know, this upcoming week. And then you have Kamara coming back, who's 28 years old, who has not played this entire season. So he might have juice for a little bit. But at the same time, you have an opportunity, Josh, just to your point of what you're saying. You're asking me who's a back I can go get that's at the price of what I'm looking for. If Kendra goes out and rushes for 100 yards and two touchdowns this week, you're not getting him for a second. You're not getting him for two seconds. Like it, it, So, Mike, I'm curious, what is your counter to this? I don't know. I, I don't think you're getting him for a second now. And, hmm. uh, and and you'd be lucky to get it for two seconds. So this this is what I've been sitting on for a while. Give me the floor for a second. I have to respectfully reject the original premise. Like Josh, <laughs> you let off by talking about like, oh, this brave new world. There's nothing new under the sun. Like you're talking to the inventor of zero running back. I didn't, I just <laughs> didn't call it that. I, didn't call it. I invented zero running back. Like it was in redraft, but I've been playing fantasy waiting to pick a running back or waiting for running backs to emerge throughout the, the season for my entire life. Having said all that, it is a it is very much a seller's market at running back, okay? And what I mean by that is this. So let's go back to that Travis Etienne conversation we had earlier, Dylan, about the first and the second. reason I didn't pull the trigger on it is because where I'm at right now in Yacht Club, it didn't make sense for me to invest in a depreciating position, whereas I ended up spending that first and second on Christian Watson from Davis, right? I thought that was the better investment of that first and second that was kind of burning. Great deal. I thought so. I thought it was a good deal for both teams. The the issue is this. There's no secrets. And running backs are at such a premium right now where the only reason I could have possibly gotten Travis Etienne, Dylan, is because you were open to trading Travis Etienne because you're trying to get younger. 
most people right now, Davis has a, 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 a handful of really high-end running backs and yet doesn't want to come up off of Jerome Ford because he could need him just like that. Davis was trying to get Tyler Algier for me, even though he has enough to withstand an injury to B. John Robinson because you just never know. And so I'm sitting up here begging Josh for the aforementioned Deuce Vaughn because nobody's trading running backs. So basically what we're talking about is a zero running back principle of like, we know in Dynasty, running backs are the worst investment because of the shelf life compared to quarterbacks and wide receivers. But even just in season long or as the season goes along, I've always thought it was the best practice to either go zero running back or hero running back until, and this is where it sounds like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I'm not, you need one. Because, Josh, you asked the question of, like, who are some, like, you know, backups or whatever we should be buying now for later. I got a team full of them. I'll give you a whole list. They're my entire team. Sean Tucker. I, I was stashing Ty Chandler until the Vikings did what? Traded for freaking Cam Akers. So much for that. Okay. Um, Chris Rodriguez. Gross. I spent $100 on Chris Brooks because what did you say, Davis, the other day? <laughs> Any any anybody on the fifty three? Any hey, oh my! Shout God. out to Scott Connor. Shout out to Scott Connor. Any yeah, RB a, on a on a fifty three? Scott Connor. Shout out to Scott Connor. I blew a hundred dollars yeah. a fab on Chris Brooks week one when the Dolphins had a bunch of running back uh, injuries. Damian Harris, Antonio Gibson, Chase Brown, fourth stringer Izzy Abanacanda. Like those are the guys that you have to be looking at for cheap. Because to, they're tomorrow's Jerome Ford. But mm. right now, if I wanted to get a running back that's actually playing, like to me, Kendra Miller doesn't count because he's you took him at the 201 in our in our league, Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody yeah. been waiting for Kendra Miller to take over. So you're not gonna get a guy that's either about to pop off or in a cusp of popping off for cheap right now. Because when you take the risk, I'm gonna land this plane, so I'm not talking in circles. When you take the risk like me of being a zero running back guy. It sounds great until you need to go buy one. And no matter who we're talking about, it is it is based on whether or not that person's manager is willing to yes. sell and for what they're willing to sell. Dylan, you can sit there and hold firm on that person's second price because you could you could dictate the price for a Travis Etienne. You could totally dictate it because it's not like there's a lot of them available. So it's, it's zero running back. But at the same time, Mike. Yeah. At the same time that you're holding on to that asset, you literally, and I feel it having so many of high valuable RBs, you feel the depreciation happening with every single carry. I can't tell you today as I was watching Christian McCaffrey rush just because I, I literally got burned and I shared the story the other night of seeing Chubb go down. Every single time CMC got hit, I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. So Dylan, yeah, you can sit on Travis Etienne and, and try and raise the price, but in in a split second, that position can be out. Right. Absolutely. So that I mean Absolutely. I think running backs are win now. Like you don't don't get them until you're ready to contend right here and, and that speaks that Davis, speaks exactly. championship. Go get all the running backs you can. Dylan, if you're trying to make the playoffs, keep Travis Etienne. Yep. And 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 augment him with a Tyler Algier as you did earlier today. We ended up and Mike, trade, you got Tyler Algier. That's the move if you're trying to win now. If you're like me and Josh, investing in running backs is not a smart move. Yeah. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And Mike, I... I just want to say you are a consummate pro because you literally transitioned me into my all aboard or overboard. But mine is date the RB, marry the wide receiver. Right. So I want to get myself some solidified, young, foundational wide receivers that can sit on my team, score me points, give me upside for the next six to eight years. Knowing me because I flip my pieces on my team all the time, I'll probably trade them. But I, I want to marry the wide receivers. I want them to be a part of my team. I want them to get accustomed to the culture of overachievers organization. But I want to date the RBs on a year-to-year basis. I want to see who, who is currently popping. James Conner, how, how can I get you on my team? Because I, I know any given week you can give me 20 points, right? So for me, I have a specific, um, a specific take that I will land this plane. I, in season – I'm trying to get my hands on any RB similar to what like Mike is saying. But if I'm trying to win, I want to get potential points on my roster. And as soon as season ends, as soon as season ends and you have the opportunity to sell and literally turn over your entire RB 
um, like landscape on your team. I am doing it and I'm getting the value. And I am the guy that this past offseason, I traded Brees Hall for two firsts and Zay Flowers and I did not look back. And I don't care if he's having a good week now, because at any point I can go buy him back to get points in my roster. So for me, I'm all aboard. I'm trying to date the RBs on a yearly basis and then I'll flip them the next year. But I want to marry the wide receivers. I, I'm all aboard on that as well. I'll just say this, guys. All we're talking about is like, you know, is art imitating life, imitating art, like is fantasy imitating reality, <laughs> imitating fantasy, because it's like, you know, the zero RB or hero RB approach is no different than. Bill Parcells saying never draft a running back before the fourth round or the Mike Shanahan, you know, system that produced thousand yard rushers out of nowhere or the current landscape of not wanting to pay running backs big money after their rookie contracts. It's all mirrored in fantasy where it's like you have to have running backs, but you want to be very cautious and calculated about when and to what extent you invest in running backs, Josh. No, I'm I'm gonna be overboard on this take because I just want to qualify it. Like I'm I'm off the yacht on this one, but I'm touching the side. And going back to the start of the show when I said my talent evaluation. Oh, I'm saying you might as well get on board. You might no, as well get on board because no, there's some no, sharks it in the needs, water. It, it, it needs to be qualified because here's the deal. There is a misconception that wide receivers don't get injured, and they totally do. There's also a misconception that wide receivers aren't volatile. Week to week, they are actually more volatile. I think there is a handful of running backs, generational talents, and we've debated what that means, but I'm talking about guys like Christian McCaffrey is a running back that didn't go down after two years of consistent injuries because his situation changed, and now he's with the Niners. He would probably trade. He did trade for similar value to what I sold him for, when I sold him and I drafted him three years ago. And so Dylan can speak to that. I think Saquon is going to rebound in value. You can marry certain running backs if you are convinced on their long-term talent. And I'll tell you what I look for is in interviews, how are they taking care of their body in the off season? I don't want the Eddie Lacy workout plan. I want guys that are investing and wanting to be generational talents. They talk about the hall of fame. Things like that. Chuck took care of his body better than any back in the, I, in the I league. get it. I gotta stop you. I gotta stop you, Josh. That, like, I mean, I, I appreciate that's, that's that's a nice effort. Tell that to Nick Chubb, dude. Like, you can't yeah. have that dude. after Nick Chubb, yeah. who's been as durable as hell in the NFL. He got hurt in college, but as durable as hell in the NFL. And I, I in another league, this is not the yacht club. I got clowned for spending four <laughs> seconds and a third. It might have been five seconds and a third. And five I seconds. slept like a baby making that trade until Minka Fitzpatrick rolled into his leg. They're all one play away, and it is not but the any, same as wide receivers. Any player are, actually is. I, not at the same rate. They're not performing the same job. The NFL is telling you how to treat running backs. You treat them as disposable. Yes, you can make exceptions, but I'm, what, what I'm challenging you on, Josh, is the idea of listening to how they take care of their bodies. They all take care of their bodies, and, and they can get hit the wrong way, and they're out for the season. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe that is fair to some extent, but you said it yourself in your previous take about playing the hero running back position, right? I'm not saying every running back needs to be treated as like it's the same as a wide receiver, but those elite running backs, even on some of their off years, are going to outscore the elite wide receivers. Last year in half PPR scoring, Josh. There are exceptions, but Jonathan right. Taylor last year is an example we're talking about. He still has high value 
But Jonathan Taylor comes off a leading the league in rushing, and then he gives you nothing last year and nothing so far this year. Yes, there are running backs that you will, you know, hang your hat on that are exceptional running backs. But all I'm saying is, Dylan, let's hear from you here, is that they are still susceptible. They're not exceptions to the rule of running back volatility. They may be exceptional talents, but they can still be hurt in one freaky play just like any other running back. Absolutely. And that makes my point of earlier. I'm actually going to be, I'm going to agree with you. I'm all aboard on this one in the sense of, yes, date the RB because they're disposable. And to my point earlier, if something's disposable, why are you going to pay up for it? That doesn't make any sense to me. Why are you going to spend a first and a second on a, or like you said, a 24 first on an injured Saquon Barkley, who has now had reoccurring injuries. I don't want to spend a 24 first on him. If I need, if I'm in a pinch, like I don't want to spend a 24 first on him. I'd rather try and go get a Tyler Algier who had 16 carries the first week, 18 carries the second week. Like I want to buy into that volume and the opportunity there. And I want to bank on that. Like I'd much rather do that than just go and try and spend up for a, a higher end RB. Well, wait a second. Were you basically trying to squeeze me is what you're telling me? That's what it sounded like. You should have done the deal win. with me, Mike. Mike, you should have done the deal with me. No, That's value right. king. Value king. You win in the margins. Am I wrong? Yeah, but and to the to the point of what you just said, it ain't tricking if you got it. So I get if you're going to spend money on something that is going to depreciate, you you can spend the money if you have the money, right? So That's fair. Yes. as somebody in a, in a current league where I'm willing to spend some money be, because I've got money to spend because I want to win a championship. Well, Josh but has I'm like so, 10, 25 uh, first. Like if I'm Josh, I'm not going to buy a running back. That just doesn't make any sense. It's like I've, I'm like a, I feel like I might be able to at least make it interesting this year and sneak in the oh, playoffs. Back to I this. Was, but no, I'm saying the reason I was tempted is because – all of this sounds great until that's why I say it's a seller's market. When you're on the outside looking in and you ain't got no running backs, you're like, well, damn, a Travis ETM would be really nice to have, especially because at the time I had Tank Bigsby. So I would have that protection. I think the other moral of the story is, and shout out to Davis for having this, is like, if you're going to, if you are, okay, it's, it's like, you know what it's like? It's like insurance. My house, this is a true story, guys. I've had twice in the last month. Where my washing machine, not my washing machine anymore, I'm getting a new one, has flooded the mudroom washroom area into my finished basement. I've had Surf Pro at my house more days and more times than I would, I would like to count in the last month with these big, loud ass fans in my house. But thankfully, I have good insurance. I'm protecting the investment that is my home. If you're going to invest in a running back, you for sure better protect that investment in the form of contingency plans or handcuffs. There was no way Davis was going to have Nick Chubb without having Jerome Ford. In the right. other league I referenced, I traded for Nick Chubb in large part because I drafted Jerome Ford in the startup. So I was going to marry them together. I was interested in Travis Etienne Dillon because I had Tank Bigsby mm. who seemed to be much more of a handcuff than he is a timeshare. So if you're going to invest in running backs and spend that draft capital to get them or spend those players to get them, you have better make sure you're ready for that inevitable injury. I, I think that is supports my being overboard on the take. I think exactly what you said. If you go buy a Nick Chubb, you can build around him. Just grab Jerome Ford. Your roster is going to get 85% or maybe just 70% of what Nick Chubb did, but you can still build your roster 
around some of these superstar running backs in a vacuum. Every league is different. Every economy gets out of whack. And over time, the teams that are really going for a championship will begin to hoard running backs. Smart players do that, like we've talked about with Davis. But if you're going to a startup draft, I don't think you need to overlook elite talent. You know, I'm talking about the top five to 10 guys that you see in redraft year over year. Guys like Austin Eckler, guys like McCaffrey, guys like Saquon. And in this next generation with Gibbs, um, Bijan, and Brees Hall, and and, uh, even Ken Walker, I would put in that tier. Those are guys you can build around. You want to build around Ken Walker? Just make sure you have Zach Charbonnet. You're going to have a similar offensive output that you can trust. And I just don't think that every single wide receiver is always going to pay dividends. So that's why I'm still overboard. Dylan, right before we go. Sorry, I'll just go jump in and say that word trust is also something. Because we just talked about the volatility of running backs as it relates to injuries. It's also the fickle nature of these coaches. Because we just mentioned two, two examples of running backs who were the bell of the ball in the preseason. It's like, ooh, Tank Bigsby is going to split time with Travis Etienne. Ooh, Zach Charbonnet is going to take Ken Walker's job. And eh, eh, wrong, wrong in both of those instances. And so it's like when we think there's going to be a, a timeshare or more of a committee involved, teams turn around and make somebody a feature, if not a bell cow back. Go ahead, Josh. I'm sorry. No, and that I just agree is that talent does still win out. You don't need to be completely scared of the running back, but I would say in general, have an overall strategy. Dylan, I wanted to ask you this before we moved on to below deck. You had kind of an overhaul on your team in regards to running backs. You were competing and now you've been selling some of these older running backs. Is there anyone, we've talked about Travis Etienne, is there anyone that screams to you for any roster, you need to sell this guy right now that the cliff is coming? Or is there alternatively a guy you're trying to buy while still balling on a budget? Yeah, no, I think I just sold this guy and I wanted to get out from underneath him and it's Alvin Kamara. I think right now he's going to have his peak value because he hasn't touched the field yet. There's some anticipation that now that Jamal Williams is hurt, Kendra Miller's struggled with injury. Yeah, he's going to play this week. But right now, even before Kendra Miller gets on the field on Sunday, go ahead and trade Alvin Kamara. He's at his peak value right now. Two games. I like I like that. You ate those two games too. Those yeah, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I held on to him. I held on to him yeah. really all off season and I yeah. kind of waited, waited, waited. And I sold him today knowing yeah. that he's at his peak value out of the anticipation of him coming back and having that open, open backfield. And so I'm still a little salty that you didn't accept my trade for him, which I you traded are. you 25 first of and course. you were 24 second for Kamara and Godwin. And you go get two mediocre receivers just because they're a little bit younger. So that's a little weird to me, but is what it is. Neither here nor there. I'm going to buy a known commodity over a 25 first who I don't really care who is in. I was Elijah Moore and Christian Kirk known commodities, like known to what? Christian Kirk was a wide receiver one last year. Yeah, but now he's going to be either a boom or a bust on a week to week basis. And Calvin Ridley's not? Oh my, what? Calvin Ridley's oh, not. Get out of here. Get out it's of here. Been, that. So far, that's been the case. I'm, I'm just Get saying, I bought into that. a proven commodity. So that being said, go and sell your Apple Camaro shares and don't do deals with David. <laughs> Listen, we will keep, boys, keep the energy. I'm sure people want to know all the drama that's gone behind with all the trades that have happened in the last week. So we're going to take a quick break and come back and update everyone as to why you two are beefing right now. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon. 
Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As you already heard before we went to break, Dylan and Davis are a little bit at each other's throats because not only has the season really began to take shape. The first week, whatever. If you're 0-1, you're fine. It's just one game. At 0-2 people's directions start to change and the trades really begin to flood in. Dylan, you already were kind of talking about it. Davis, you were arguing with him. Dylan, why is Davis mad at you from your perspective? And is it Davis or is it David? Dylan, before you answer that, just point of order, Josh. Davis is pissed at me and Dylan. I am. am. I'm (laughs) glad you clarified that. He's salty. Okay, open open discussion. No, I'll give it back to Dylan, but Dylan, this is what I got this afternoon, text-wise. Dang, that's messed up. All good. That's some real shady business by y'all. I said, come on now. No, that's shady as hell. Y'all got it, though. (laughs) Y'all got it. No, it's all good. Listen, this is the quintessential David move. He comes to you, kind of tries to sweet-talk you. Hey, man, like, you know. Have y'all explained David versus Davis? Y'all yeah, explain yeah, that, yeah, right? yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, so, yeah, so people Davis. don't think you call him by the wrong name. No, 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 no. They know it's his alter ego. Um, okay. He might make sure it's a devil on his shoulder. Honestly, David, David versus Davis. No, so this is the quintessential David move where he comes in, sweet, talk, sweet talks you, tries to get a good he – send, he sent me a, a generally good offer for Davis, right? I'm okay with the offer. 
I kind of make in a little bit of the, of the Davis yeah, tax. Yeah, what was the players was involved? The oh, man, man. We we had like five different offers that we went through. but We the, were talking for like a day, bro. A day. We like went through day. multiple the different day. offers. I don't even know the last one we ended up. One of them was uh, Alvin Kamara and Jacoby Myers for a 25 first. Uh, there was there was multiple different offers that we were discussing. Uh, Mayer was involved in that. It was a 25 first, and then like Michael Mayer for Jacoby Myers. And so, okay, well, um, I guess I asked this: is there were multiple, a lot of different iterations. What were your objectives? What were you trying yeah. to accomplish? For me, well, he approached yeah. me. He approached me about the offer. I, he uh, wanted to. Uh, he at least act like you called me. That's straight out of draft day. At least act like you called me, Davis. What was your objective? Yeah, so I called him. I had interest in Kamara, um, older RB, and I feel like if I'm coming with a first involved with him, I didn't feel like spending a first, um, whether it's 24 or 25, especially in our league landscape where two teams own every single pick in both of those drafts, so it's very difficult to get in. I didn't feel like Kamara straight up for one single first made sense. So then I wanted Jacoby Myers um be because i don't think he carries a ton of value i think he's not a throw-in but doesn't carry a ton of value but that didn't feel right for him so i said okay let me smoothen it by throwing in like a rookie tight end um that never never landed and then and then this is where things turn sideways and i and i and i and and i want to preface this the conversation was genuine i was not trying to sweet talk him to get what i wanted i think i came very cordially but where things turn sideways is when i didn't do a deal dylan wanted dylan got salty so Dylan comes back to me, and mind you, Jordan Addison in a different world was involved in this trade. And Jordan Addison has been involved in multiple trades. And Mike, we will talk about this because I'm still salty, and we will talk about it. Dylan comes to me <laughs> and sends me, he sends me Alvin Kamara, Chris Godwin, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Aiden O'Connell for a bunch of trash, in my opinion, trash that is going to be expiring. That's going to be expiring, and hear me. And he wants Jordan Addison and his 24 seconds. And that to me, I'm like, I mean, no, no, no. no. What did you say? What did you say? I I sent you something and you said, oh, I would do that. Mm -hmm. Did you not say that? And then you tried to (laughs) hold up a second. And then you tried to squeeze me. And then I thought better of it. I called my confidant, Mike. And he was like, you know what, Davis? Mike's your confidant. I said, all right, Mike. Oh, my God. Mike, you see how he plays these sides? He's going to roast Mike in like two minutes. I'm, I, I'm not going to roast Mike. No, I called him objectively speaking. Mike Mike talked me off the ledge. Dylan then comes back and Dylan's like, all right, I'll do it. I'll put it in your inbox. I didn't. I didn't accept. And then he, he got pissed. And then from there, that's when David emerged. What was, when David what was in your inbox? Like his int- what was specifically in your inbox? Chris Godwin, Chris Godwin, Alvin Kamara, and like the Raiders quarterbacks. Jimmy G, Aiden O'Connell for Jordan Addison and Bad's 24 seconds. To me, that did not, that didn't feel right. That didn't feel right. And I don't understand why you got slighted by me not taking that. But then I come back and I want to pose this question to you, Josh, and to you, Mike, and then see what like your guys' thoughts are. I've approached Dylan multiple times, Jordan Addison and Travis Etienne involved in a deal. And I just sent him an offer of Jordan Addison for Travis Etienne and Tyler Algier in the deal. To me, and we just got done talking about how the runback landscape is trash and at any moment these guys could get hurt. Isn't that a fair deal? And would you guys take that deal? No, no, no. Before you guys jump in, because Davis likes to do this thing where he gets his piece in and doesn't let anyone else talk. So the whole reason why Davis thinks that I got upset. No, Davis (laughs) thinks that I got upset because I said, okay, cool. And I just didn't respond to him. And then he kept trying to get Alvin Kamara, kept trying to get the, the Raiders quarterbacks. And I was just like, 
bro, we just went through this whole thing all day. I submitted an offer to you, said, yes, I'll accept it. And then we mm-hmm. pulled out of it. Mm-hmm. Of course, you wasted my time. So I was like, OK, so I wasn't paying any mind. Now, with that, David came out. And as soon as I completed mm-hmm. a different, a separate offer for Camara, the first thing he texted me is, wow, you just got fleeced. He did get fleeced. He did get fleeced. It, it, he did he, get fleeced. Then he just goes he on his David fleeced. rant of just hurling insults. And this is this is what I was saying at the beginning. The quintessential David move is come correct, come nice when you're trying to get your way. Things go south. David comes out and insults get hurled. And it is pers- it, from that point on, he's just un- unleashed. So I'll let you, David, pose, pose your question and, and ask them. Your- yeah, no, because know. this deal involved Mike. So, Mike, Mike, you get in this deal. Okay. So that's that's tell me how why you're mad at me <laughs> as it relates to you and Dylan. Then I'm going to translate all this for the listeners and the viewers. Yeah, guys, I, yeah, yeah. He just took a breath. He just took a deep breath. Why are you mad? Why are you mad at me, David? <laughs> what did I do? You guys truly want to know why I'm mad? Like you guys truly want to know? Is it just a, came up? This is a projection. No, this is a projection because I can't tell you how hard I've been working to get a deal done and I get boxed out left and right. It's like it's like I'm hitting the paint and I got bodies on bodies just boxing me out, chipping me off the block. And then I come and I'm coming with fair deals and I come to Mike and I say, Mike, I want to do this deal with you. And behind my back. Mike goes and does a deal with Dylan. Mike had no interest in Jimmy G until he knew that I was targeting Jimmy G. You had zero interest in Jimmy G until you knew that I was going to have Jimmy G. So no, 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 no. I don't want to hear I just, it, Mike. Point of point oh, of order. Poor Davis. Mike, is this you? You did a deal with da- with Dylan behind Davis's back. Isn't it true, Mike, that behind. Davis, while on the phone with you, accepted a trade right. from a different owner for a player you were trying to trade for? Had me, okay, I'm not going to get into this story, but had me trying to work a three-way was listen to me explain the problems I was having trying to broker it. And he was like, yeah, man, I get it. You know, I mean, listen, if he ain't got blah, 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 talking about the other person. Meanwhile, I get a call cutting in on our conversation saying, hey, Davis just offered me this. I'm like, Davis, did you just make this offer while on the phone with me? He's like, it wasn't going to get done. So I'm glad you said that, Josh, because, okay, so first of all, Davis, David, whoever I'm talking to. Um, I'm talking to Davis right now. I'm talking to Davis. The I'm loving idea this. That I had no interest in a player apart from you is like just unbelievably ridiculous and arrogant. But it's you, and I love you for it. So this is what I want to say to the listeners or the viewers who have not checked out of this conversation. This is the, this is the equivalent of running up on a married couple and hearing an argument that has you have no idea what they're talking about, but you could there's but you can sense something, a dynamic at play. And here's the dynamic, Davis. Here's the dynamic. Your sense of entitlement and your persecution complex know no bounds. And I say that from a place of love because That's, that is know, not from love. And I, I, I rebuke that. No, it is from love, and it's because it's not love like a correct correction love. It's love like a, I love this league because of the dynamic that you bring to this league. This league needs you, and it needs that energy. It needs somebody to literally and figuratively wear the black hat, even if the black hat is backward. It needs that, and it's like, dude, 
you're just upset. We let's sift through all of that, all of those offers, all that back and forth. No, just come down to you just mad because you didn't get your way. His feelings. That's it. Mm-hmm. His feelings. Mm-hmm. Mad you, mm-hmm. Mad mm-hmm. It, it, a I, deal was done that didn't involve you. That wasn't on your terms. That's it. Y'all aren't That's seeing it. Line. Y'all aren't That's seeing it. I I got I got a ten thousand foot view. Davis, listen. There is a used car lot out there somewhere who has prophesied and prayed for the chosen one to come and be able to sell every car they have in the, in the lot in a single day. Davis just hasn't quit his day job to go do that. Davis will, will use like the carrot and the stick and he has no problem. He doesn't care either way. He feels great about his team. I believe all the emotion is an yeah. act to try to elicit right. more trades. Right. If, if you're someone that responds to challenge, right. Davis is going to press that button. If you respond to respect right. and love and mutual respect, He's pressing that button. Davis is about Davis, Davis, and he uses David to get deals Davis done. I think it's brilliant. Davis is about control. I told this to Davis when. <laughs> Please don't repeat this. Please don't repeat this. This is an intervention. <laughs> it is an I intervention. Davis when Davis and I got close, went for about, a, I don't know, it felt like a six month stretch, but really probably six days, we were on the phone nonstop because he would not rest until I traded him the one-on-one because he wanted B. John Robinson, and he would not relent until he got it. But Davis wants things done his way, and I told Davis early on, I was like, you just like to be on top. I was like, because he just like he, because he doesn't want <laughs> to be the one submitting the offer unless he unless it's a deal that he thinks he's winning. He wants you to submit the offer to him so it could be in his inbox so he could be in control. Likewise, he does this little thing because he did it earlier when we were recording. He'll send an offer and withdraw it immediately just so you could see it in the messages so you could see it but not accept it because he doesn't want you to accept it. He just wants Mm-mm. you to just like pique your interest with it. It's no different than we'll put a player on a right. block that he has no intention of trading just so he could see what icons show up so he could see who's on the app. The dude is crazy. And so it ain't about Jimmy Garoppolo. It ain't about Jordan Madison or Alvin Kamara. All of these players, by the way, not to you know get into your specifics of your team, none of these players matter to your team. You don't need any of them. You just want to be in control, David. That's all. No, this hold up a second. No, 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 no. And now it's my turn to speak. <laughs> now it's my turn to speak. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And now it's my turn to speak is I just want to be involved. I just want to be involved. I just be I just want to be one of the guys. I want to be accepted and cared for the same way that you all care for one another. And I am so and yes, I do carry a persecution complex because I am persecuted in this league day in and day out in the group chat in text messages and calls that I get. I am absolutely persecuted. I am the victim in this league and I will live and die by that because that is the truth. Davis, now, you've done nothing wrong. You've done nothing wrong to deserve second, this, second, this second, victimization. That this victim, <laughs> you're putting on this full victim act. Dylan, I've listened, listened to you guys. I have listened to you guys come at me for the last probably yeah. five minutes, and yep. and it is my turn to speak, Dylan. It's my right. turn. And yeah. what I will say is, do I deserve some of this? Yes, yes, yes. I'm not naive. But do I want to say that the majority of this comes from just because I outwork and out hustle people? I think it's that. I think there is a deeply rooted frustration and anger that has been at the core of this league that Davis works 
too hard in this league. And this was stated to Josh a long time ago, early on, where he had casuals in our league before our league really blew up. Like, why is this dude calling me every day? Why is this dude texting me every day? Like, is there a way for me to block him? Like, so I think there is an innate feeling of anger and frustration that I built the team that I built. And most likely I probably won't win just because I think I built too good of a team and I've rubbed too many people the wrong way. And I think the fantasy, the fantasy sleeper, um, you know, I'm not gonna call gods, I'm not gonna call it like an idol, but I think it doesn't wanna see me win. It wants to keep me humble because it's gonna keep me hungry. I'm gonna stay humble, I'm gonna stay hungry, and I'm gonna keep building that team. I'm gonna have Caleb Williams next year. And damn it, I'm gonna have the best fantasy team that never wins and it's gonna be great. If that, as long as that's a self-fulfilling prophecy, I hope we cut it and clip it and keep it for you for as long as you want. Um, listen, as we, yeah, I was gonna say, where's the, where's the come up album? I said persecution complex. I said sense of entitlement. I left out paranoia. There ain't nobody thinking about you like that. Like we absolutely <laughs> ask Josh, Josh, speak to me. People were Josh, 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 Josh do not no, 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 Josh, do not lie, do not lie not, because you I'm shook li- your head. You, no, you, I'm you not lying at green. all. This do is, this right is no, this is like what I love about you is you can take something and just twist it and turn it into motivation. And art Michael Jordan did that. Some would say Mussolini did that. It really just depends how your career pans out. We don't know where you're going to end on the spectrum. But no, people early on in the early days of Yacob were like, why am I getting a trade request from this guy at 2 a.m. followed by a call? Doesn't he know I'm asleep? Like, is this the type of league we're in? Who is this Davis guy? Yes, we did get those calls and be like, wow, that's really confident that you, someone you hadn't met in person yet wanted your call at 2 a.m. But your commitment was excellent. Listen, as we end here, I would be remiss not to tell this story. Um, Really, really cool, random thing that happened to me today, very similar to how I met Mike, Um, not nearly as cool, but uh, I got to drive Andrew Luck and his wife. They were visitors of Amazon to the game. And for all fantasy owners out there, this is 100% a true story, hand to God. He gets in the car, he's very polite, he's like, hi, how are you? My name's Josh, blah, blah, blah. He he introduced himself. I said, by the way, Andrew, uh, it's great to meet you. Um, I know it's been weighing heavy on your chest, but I forgive you for retiring after I drafted you in fantasy. And he laughed right away and said, thank you. That has been weighing on me. So for all of the fantasy players out there that dealt with that kind of <laughs> like pain, players, they care and they know and they are so sorry. I'm sure anyone that has ever wronged you by getting injured or by retiring or taking time off to do the right thing and focus on their family and health um, seeks your forgiveness. So um, if that is, if there's nothing else, gentlemen, I think this is a wrap. It's been great to have a intervention uh, with Davis Dylan and Mike, any last thoughts from you? Uh, it was great to see you this week uh, up here in San Fran. Yeah. No, that was a great way to end it, man. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And uh, Davis, I'll, I'll call you after we hang up because maybe I got Jimmy Garoppolo just to trade him to you. Maybe I, just I figured him. as much, Mike. I figured as much. Because <laughs> it all comes back to you. It all comes back to it you. It does. It does. <laughs> Until next time, we're sure the chip on Davis's shoulder will have grown even larger. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Dynasty Exchange.
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.